0: folks, and welcome to another episode of Encourage, Build, Grow, the podcast focusing on design professionals, helping them be better leaders, better communicators, and ultimately better people. Today, I have a great guest with me. His name is Scott Harvey Lewis. And Scott is a structural engineer based out of Florida, specifically in the West Palm Beach area. And I've had a chance to connect with him on LinkedIn, as well as just had a chance to kind of watch his videos in passing on a regular basis. And I thought he'd be a great individual to bring on. And as I was talking to him before we got started, I realized that he's on the cusp of being a millennial and a Gen Xer. So we're going to kind of meld the two together today as we talk with Scott and, and learn a little bit more about his passion for structural engineering and for what he's doing. He's leading the office there for M2E in West Palm Beach. So Scott, without further ado, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Randy. It's um Wednesday? Is it Tuesday?
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You lose track of the days when you're having fun. It's, it's a so. good Tuesday so far. Oh, good, good. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I appreciate it. I know you're really busy. You actually had a meeting, which kind of delayed our start, which is not a problem. And, you know, I mean, that's obviously kind of emblematic of the way things are for design firm professionals is there's always something happening, there's always a fire to put out. But why don't you just tell our audience a little bit about your superhero origin story, how you got started in the industry? <laughs> And what you're doing there? I've kind of looked at your arc of growth from one firm to another, and you know, getting your bachelor's of science in civil at uh, FIT, and then being a Gator. And I'll give my Gator love. That's why I got my orange <laughs> on today. But you know, you're a Florida, University of Florida Gator, and got your master's degree there. But why don't you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your background?
1: So, um, originally born in Jamaica, I did all my school in there till the end of high school, and then I came to Florida for for college. Funny story is the first time I saw Florida Tech is when I was being dropped off. So it's kind of like, here I am. And then from there, schooling, end up working in, in Florida. And then fast forward 15 years later, I'm still here. In terms of growth and career track, a lot of it is just one, I think, as, like you said, as a millennial, being a little bit impatient. And so when things aren't going the way you think it should go, which is usually way faster than it should <laughs> You end up making some moves, and so you know, in the first couple years, I made a move and ended up with Lee Horn, which I was there for a while, and then from there, there was a few things that happened that you know ended up with me and M2E were in charge of an office, vice president of the company. and it seems it happened fast, right. but a lot of it was just right place, right time almost. And then some of it was having to push yourself past some barriers but it's not been easy. However, it's been a good journey. And with that, I, I think I've got a lot of experience in a fast, high-paced environment that I can share with, with young professionals and even with, let's say, leaders in our industry right now.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. I think you're exactly right. I mean, this industry has, for the longest time, been you know challenged at promoting people quickly if they deserve promotion, of course. I'm not saying anybody should be promoted just to be promoted. I think that there's a certain amount of elbow grease and time that needs to be put into it. But, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot on this podcast, and and again, I like focusing and talking to people like yourself because you kind of give a framework from which individuals that might be listening to this podcast that are just coming out of school and graduating with an engineering architectural degree or any other professional degree that serves the design industry, you give them hope for what can be. Because I remember back in the day, in the '90s, I can tell you the refrain was constantly, "Hey, come to this firm, put your 10 to 15 to 20 years in, and then we'll talk about things." And <laughs> and, and, and nobody wants to hear that anymore. Well, I mean, I so so that is that's the challenge. But I certainly applaud your effort of being able to kind of use each opportunity as a stepping point to grow to where you are now. My question for you would simply be, how do you translate that to? the folks that are under your charge at this point because those that are coming in, you probably see yourself in them yeah. uh, from before. So how do you kind of manage that and lead those folks?
1: That's a really good question and, and I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> 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 but, you know, two things come to mind off the bat and some of it is this is me learning after making some mistakes. So first thing is you have to notice everybody's different. Right. So like I would initially attack it as, if someone was managing me, this is what I would like, which would only work with somebody that's like me, yeah. which let's say out of ten people, maybe two at most. so I've learned you can't do like that you can't manage your, you can't manage people based on how you want to be managed right. you have to manage them on how they are and their personality, and then also another thing that I've realized is that you should reward good behavior or reward what you want to be repeated and don't just. You know, give people things unnecessarily, you know, give them what they deserve, give them what they need. But when it comes to rewarding people, you need to reward performance. And so if you put those two things into the mix, you individualize a person, treat them in a way that they appreciate and reward their performance. And it doesn't have to be monetarily, it can be just a pat on the back or a good job or more responsibility, depending on what they like, then that's the way to set them up for success. If you don't do that, then it's going to fail and you're going to have somebody who's impatient and the problem, is a problem. The thing nowadays is the market is hot. So people will jump ship really fast because <laughs> right. somebody else wants them. So there's no, right. people aren't waiting around. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. Can you talk to me about what challenges are you specifically facing in your office or for your company as a whole when it comes to attracting this new generation of young people?
1: I think the challenge for me before was how do you let them know that M2E exists because our online presence wasn't that strong. Right. So I think the LinkedIn and that has kind of changed that a bit. So nowadays I have people come in to me and people know of the company. And just like you said, you, know, you watch videos, you see it, it looks like a good environment. So I think that's changing itself. The biggest um, hurdle is just the market is hot right now. Right. So the, the right. power is with the, the person you're hiring. And yeah. so you have to adjust pay rates and different things and benefits to meet the market. And then you have to give more to keep them. And again, giving isn't like money or giving isn't responsible. It's just giving them what is tailored to them, especially if they're a good person.
0: Yeah. And have you found that? Because like as I was looking at the number of followers that you have on LinkedIn specifically, and I know that you post a lot of your videos on LinkedIn, you almost have like, seventy five hundred people following you, which that's a lot of eyes on what you're doing right I mean you are it's not that it's not like you know you are a huge firm or that you have been all over the country doing structural work I mean you're in the southern part of Florida from West Palm Beach on down to miami, and I mean that's your little neck of the world, but you're making a difference with this information that you're putting out there i'd be curious to know if if you've had some people find out about M2E and more specifically about you just by virtue of your online presence?
1: Well, I get a few messages a week just saying, thanks for posting, this helped me, or, you know, anytime you're looking for this person, to call me. So, and these are people I don't know mm-hmm. and people from different regions. Yep. So I think definitely just posting authentic, natural content has really helped because it's not, nothing is really staged. There isn't time of the day where we're like, okay, we're going to post something fun. A lot of it is just candid videos. A lot of it is just us being ourselves or just pictures of people starting. I think the basic thing is it's shown that we are just human beings. I mean, engineering, we're not stiff and always working in numbers. You actually have people having fun as well. So I think most people don't think engineering firms are edgy or fun. It's more like, you know, tight lace, you know, it's which it doesn't have to
0: be that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny. I was talking with somebody yesterday about engineers and architects that sometimes get the knock of being introverts, but not every engineer or architect is an introvert. And we mm-hmm. talked about the difference. There's a spectrum. And I don't know if you've ever read Daniel Pink's book, To Sell as Human, but he talks about the fact that you know you have introverts and you have extroverts, but in the middle of it, you have ambiverts. And I actually believe that there are a lot of engineers and architects out there that are ambiverts. These are people that you know, may identify a little bit with the introversion side of things, but they can also be extroverted when necessary. And you yeah. seem like somebody that's probably like that—that that you can kind of go on both sides of the spectrum. So.
1: Yeah, I think I think I'm able to to see both sides because you have to be able to be focused and do you know technical work. Yeah, but you can also have conversations with people, and they actually like you. Also.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's important. I mean, people have to like you for sure. So have you guys, and when I say you guys, as M2E or you specifically in your office, are you being really intentional about how you create these videos and how you put some of this information out on social media in order to kind of give people, kind of peel back the curtain, if you will, or is it kind of, because I know you said it's, you know, some of it is happenstance, but it does seem like there's a method to your madness in terms of how you're putting things out there.
1: So, okay. So when we, when we started putting things out, at least when I said, I'm going to start posting on LinkedIn, the first thing was just a random video of us moving. And at the time, I thought it did well, got like 1,700 views and 50 likes. And I was like, LinkedIn is awesome. Right. You know, and from there, we just started posting funny things. But then people would say, do you guys actually work? <laughs> well, we just fun?" And I was like, you know, I don't want to convey the idea of that all we do is mess around and joke. Right. And then I realized things that I thought was really good content didn't do as well. And then I realized everything you have you do has to have some value to it. Right. So even if I'm posting a funny video, my tag, I try to have some value or some context to it. So, right. you know, it won't be like, look at us having fun. And then yeah. think thing of fun, it'd be like, In a team environment, it's good to have fun. Studies show that fun is more, you know, does increase productivity. And here at M2E, we try to do that. And then it'd be a picture of us having some fun. So it'd be something useful. I try to tie it together more, and then I try to have a balance of some things are the people, something maybe about me, something maybe about the industry. But at the end of the day, it's to provide value to the user or whoever's watching it so they can say, okay, when something comes out, it's good to read this or watch it. Not yeah. he's selling us something or all these guys do is joke or here's a funny video of a cat. It's you know, it should be something that you want to click on and actually watch.
0: Yeah, no, no, that makes perfect sense. I'm also curious to know, have you garnered a new client because of these videos? Have you had a client even acknowledge that that they've seen the videos and maybe given you some kind of response that encouraged you?
1: So the so there's there's a, a couple buckets there. So I've had new work come because of it. Okay. But that isn't okay. the largest bucket. Right. I've had a lot of existing clients and colleagues laugh and every time I call them, they'd be like, that last video you did was awesome or <laughs> thanks for this. So I think it keeps me fresh in the mind of existing clients. And the biggest savings for us or the biggest value for me personally was not having to use a recruiter right. to get the talent. Yeah. So you know, I recently hired two senior level professionals that would have cost me about $50,000 in recruiter fees Sure, that came to me. And not because we posted something, it was just, hey, Scott, I'm looking to change. Is there anything in your office? Because I like what you guys are doing and what you, you know, what you're standing for. Is there opportunity there? Wow.
0: Okay. So to me- That's huge. That's huge. So
1: in in a year, you know, I probably cost savings of $100,000 or more just in posting.
0: Well, I mean, and that's, I'm glad you mentioned that because there is the real value of that. As I tell people, that's why I do these podcasts, because I think there's a value in everybody sharing their story. I mean, you have a story, your competitor has a story, everybody has a story. The unfortunate thing in the design space is that most people don't tell their story or you learn about it by accident and you're being more intentional. And I think intentionality is key when trying to get out there. And as you said, it's not rocket science. You're kind of just being you. You're sharing what's happening on a regular basis every day. And people are seeing the fact that you guys are the way that you are. And it provides context for the type of environment someone might like to work in. Right, And, and I think that's really important. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that because, I, you know, I've been doing recruiting in this space since the 90s. And I got to say that you know, when I first started recruiting, I was telling people a while ago that we used to source out of a phone book and people were like, a (laughs) phone book, what's that? You know? And nowadays you have so much available that I can almost find out about anyone, most people. Now there are a lot of people in the the design industry that aren't online or at least they're online, but they're not, they don't have a public persona. I mean, you have a public persona and you're utilizing it to your advantage. And so, you know, my thought would simply be that if more leaders in the design space like yourself used their public persona to kind of share what they're doing on a regular basis and document, just document, they don't have to create anything special, but just document what they're doing, people will be interested in seeing what they have to share.
1: Sure. Yeah. And one thing I realized too is, um, like you touched on it, was a workplace you can say, we have the best place to work, but that may not be true because it's, it might be the best place to work for you. Right. Like you said, I might be putting videos out and it attracts people that find what I am doing attractive, whereas somebody else may say, hey, I would never want to work in an office where it's an open layout. I want my own office. These guys are <laughs> noisy. This is not true engineering. It's, it's too much laughing and joking. Like, we guys are serious. So at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's what's best for you. And yeah. But I do think the commonality would be you treat people with respect, everybody's equal, there's opportunity for everybody. And I think one thing that was missing for me as an engineer growing up, as an engineer growing up, sounds funny, as a young engineer was, since you say I may be ambiverted or extroverted, whereas I might have been working for introverted people or more analytical people than expressive, I was seeing more of a problem mm-hmm. than as, okay, this guy has some strengths. Right. And, you know, I've never been a bad student. I've never produced bad work. Like I've looked back at stuff and I'm like, I was always really good. So it would just have been somebody saying, okay, he's different. Right. Let's just learn more about him. And because I've always had good intentions. So, but there was not real coaching. I think it's people usually dismiss something that's different as something bad right off the bat. Yeah. And if your personality doesn't really fit the norm of the industry, then you are seen more like a virus. Mm-hmm. But... Everybody, you know, there's no best personality. The thing is, the more combination of personalities, the better. Absolutely, I think that's my goal coming from a different country and just seeing more things is the more variety I can get, the better our office is going to be. And that is, you know, different cultures, different ages, different sexes. Like the more, the better. It's just at the end of the day, realizing that, Everybody's an individual, and you have to tailor things to that person's circumstance. Right,
0: and that gets back to what you said earlier in terms of how do you lead. You don't lead uh, one specific way. You, your leading leans to the individual that you're working with, which is important because each of us is different as far as that's concerned. I'd be curious to know: Did you were you able to identify a mentor early on in your career that kind of helped you out?
1: I think one of the things that really I, I tell people all the time: You know, when I change jobs. When I look back, it was usually like for very simple things. You know, maybe I was expecting a, you know, let's say a $5,000 raise and I got two and a half. Right. But it was never communicated why. Right. And, you know, I think being millennial, just to put a term out there, I feel like I deserve it. And so I'm gone. Yeah. I'm not even they're going to talk about it. So, you know, one of the things is I encourage communication. Going back to the question about the mentor. It's only nowadays that I see the benefit of it. And the reason why I saw the benefit was when I actually had somebody that treated me as an individual mm-hmm. and I felt like, okay, that guy cares about not just the work I do, but my family cares about me, my, my safety, that was a turning point And it was like, okay, there are people that care and know, it's like they say, if you, nobody's going to listen to you until you know how much they care about you.
0: Right. So exactly. that
1: became a mentor for me. We still keep a contact. You know, I always call him for advice. And, you know, nowadays I look to, to my boss, bosses as mentors as well, because, you know, they're, they're really good guys and they just always treat me respectfully. So I think that's important And I encourage that to any young professional to find somebody you admire and ask them to mentor you and be open to the advice.
0: Right. So do you think, <laughs> get, yeah, exactly. All right. You have to listen to them at some point, but do you think had you had a true mentor early on that maybe when that situation arose where you got 2500 instead of a 5000 bump in salary and you had gone to the mentor to share that story with them and they had said to you, hey, you know what, just sit tight. You shouldn't move. Here's why, that you might have listened to them.
1: I would have loved that. And I think not everybody's like that. Some people want to learn the hard way.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah. But
1: personally, yeah. I really like good explanations. So if somebody said to me, hey, Scott, you got two and a half versus five, but that actually is a good percentage. Yeah. And if you want to get more, you got to look at your classification and realize that these are the things that you're missing. Yeah. And everybody appreciates your work and thinks that you do a good job, but you got to not pay so much attention to this and think about this. And also it's a long game. Yeah. It's not, you know, in spurts like every year. And so I would have, I would appreciate that. And, but I never got that.
0: Yeah. I, I guess I'm just kind of, it was more of a leading question because it's one of the, one of the things that I I keep saying to firm leaders and firm owners is that, you you know, creating, and I don't know if you guys have it currently at M2E, but um, have you worked to create a mentorship program, like an intentional mentorship program at all?
1: No, we, we were talking about that, I think earlier in the year. And, you know, it's like one of those things that we're like, okay, we're going to do it. And then, <laughs> and then we're in the third quarter now, but I'm intentional with it, but there's nothing company wide that's intentional and formal. you know. And again, I, going back to personalities, not everybody, even if I want to mentor, so let's say you and our personalities clash, I may not be the best mentor
0: for <laughs> <Right>, you. <laughs> right. I may
1: mean, say something real like, hey, just do your job. And you're like, you're too harsh with me. I don't like you.
0: Yeah, no. And I, I appreciate that. That makes a lot of sense. I think the other thing, too, is that because I just recently did a, a training on mentoring. And, and one of the things that I've learned in doing my studies, and I've had mentors throughout my life. and. I've got you beat by a few years. So I've, mm-hmm. I've made my mistakes. And I had those wounds to prove it of just trying to do things on my own volition and on accord. But what I found was that even if you can encourage people getting into a mentoring program, the misnomer is that you have to find a mentor within your own organization. And that's not always the case. I think sometimes mm-hmm. just showing people, hey, this is what a mentor is. You need to go out and find one. It may not necessarily be the person that works with you. It may not be you, Scott. It may be somebody else. It may be somebody that you worked with previously that you just had a good relationship with and that they're willing to give you a big picture view of what you need to be doing and how you need to be thinking about things and just giving you some guidance and providing that wisdom in a non judgmental way. Sure. Uh, I think I think we all need that. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. beneficial for all of us. So yeah, I think it's
1: been described as like just having a coach.
0: Yeah. So it's well, almost- there is a difference between a mentor and a coach because I've talked about that before. When you think about a coach, like I could, like you could have a coach that is another structural engineer that has done the things that that's lead certified, that's kind of been there and done that, and will walk you through a mm-hmm. lot of the, the the stuff that you will normally encounter within your career as a structural engineer. That's more of a tactician approach, which is really what a coach is, right? Like John Wooden. Taught Kareem Abdul-Jabbar how to be the most amazing basketball player in every facet of the game, which is why you right. know when you when you look at his numbers, his numbers actually are better than Jordan's numbers over his career. Right. You know, you know and so I mean, but I mean, I, in the coaching and it's equally important. I'm not I'm not saying that coaching isn't. I'm just saying that sometimes with a mentor you get to get somebody that gives you more of a kind of life.
1: like yeah, Right.
0: And and it does apply in so many different ways. And some of those people can really, if you listen to them and you're willing to find somebody that you know genuinely cares about you, because I believe that has to exist in a mentoring relationship. Mm -hmm. It has to be, you have to connect with somebody on a personal level first before you connect with them on a professional level. Sure. Sure. You know, yeah. And so I just think that that's really important. And I, I only say that to say is I, I'm still processing that for a lot of people. And I just think more design firms need to be intentional about creating that type of environment. Because what I would what you would probably find is that when situations like what you described earlier come up, people aren't as quick to make a move because they're not making decisions in a vacuum, but yet bouncing that information off of people mm-hmm. that they highly respect and that they know care about them and really, you know, want to see them succeed on the larger stage of life. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So that's important. Anyway, that's my soapbox. So listen, mm-hmm. I want to I talk a little bit about communication because I know that things have changed a lot and obviously how you communicate might be different with the different generations in your office. But what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you guys have dealt with from a communication perspective to make sure that things are smooth, right? Because when you think of communication, communication impacts a design firm in a lot of different ways. One is just whether you're communicating internally with your project team, how you communicate directly with the client or the lack of communication with a client can create problems. A lack of communication within a design firm leads to scope creep in so many ways. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious to know how you guys are dealing with communication and what are you finding that works on a regular basis?
1: Again, I, have the, 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 I, haven't, I haven't figured it all out, but I know that we've made some mistakes in the past that show how not to communicate. So I think the keys to communication I'm learning is you want to not just tell the message, but give the understanding of why So that you can get buy in and open the floor for communication so that you can process everybody's opinion. So I think if you look at who the decision is gonna affect the most, then that person or that group should be the person giving you the most feedback. So let's say we have a we wanna roll out a new benefit and we think it's a great benefit, if it's gonna affect the employees the most and it's not good for them, then maybe we should talk to them first before we roll it out. Right. And and then also I think on the other side, what affects it is, you know, if you, let's say you're an entry-level engineer or whatever, and, and you have a problem, and you bounce it back and forth between your peers, yep. chances are, one, you may come to the wrong conclusion. Chances are, you're just amplifying the issue because they can't really help you. Yeah, And at the end of the day, they may talk you out of things that if you just took it to the person that actually can make a decision without bias or, um, you know, other people's Opinions, you would save yourself a lot of heartache and pain, because I see it, what I've seen is group thought and not looking at the big picture and keeping it amongst, let's say, your peers causes more damage than taking it to a supervisor or somebody who can um, make the decision. Sure. And usually gets them too late because you know people have already made up their minds without. All the facts.
0: Yeah. No, you, yeah. You bring up a really good point. And I, I think, you know, getting back to the, what you mentioned earlier about rolling out a new benefit or something like that, I'm always reminded of what uh, Virgin Atlantic founder Richard Branson, Sir Richard Branson, he always talked about one of the things that he learned when trying to communicate, especially with his team, was that as a leader, if you go into a meeting with a bunch of people, you should be the last person to speak, not the first, because you don't want to dictate the context of the conversation, you really want people to open up and and share their thoughts. Because normally what happens is, especially if you go into a meeting with five of your people and you lay the foundation for the meeting, people are going to fall in line with what Scott is saying, as opposed to you saying, hey guys, I want to talk about X. I'd love to get your thoughts. Before you even share your thoughts, you get everybody else's around the table. Then you share or chime in, but you're, you're chiming in shows to the people in the room that it's informed based on how they're feeling about things, how they're communicating a a certain issue or topic. And I I always thought that was a really interesting approach, which makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I like it. I I want to take that note. Because if you look (laughs) back to successful meetings, that's what usually is. The people with the most stake are running it, not the person who can, let's say, make the decision at the end of the day.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And it's to be heard as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, man, you you you've shared a lot today. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I I wanted to uh just kind of press you with one last thing because this is something that we talk about and, you know, I talk about personal routines and things that that I do on a regular basis to try to make me the best version of myself and I have this I have this ongoing mantra that I I operate from where I just basically say I try to get 1% better every day. But I'd be curious, what what is what is the one habit or routine that you regularly employ that's a difference maker for you? Daily Bible reading. Okay. All right. So you read the word on a regular basis. I do too. So that that's something that we certainly have in common. But I, I uh, is there anything else that, that uh, for uh, you that just...
1: And it'd be, so I've been mental and then physical. I just try to, to exercise at least four to five times a week. Right. So you know, I, keep, okay. I don't break that. I may stagger it depending on the day, but I try to stay physically... Healthy and and mentally, you know, I, that's what I do in the mornings.
0: Yeah, do you? I'm just curious. I, I, in your office, with with the folks that you have there, do you guys do any? Do you have any programs or anything where that you've instituted to kind of help people along with their habits or routines at all?
1: So we're pretty flexible for the individual. So you know, people and this may not be a habit or routine, but let's say somebody has kids, small kids, and they mm-hmm. you know it stresses them out because of daycare and you know, they, it's hard. So we flex with them okay. so that they're not worried about, okay, I have to arrive 20 minutes late or something. It's like, listen, you have a family. That's your most important thing. Don't feel like that should be a burden. Yeah. So get what, you have to done, get what you have to do done. And I know you'll help me out when I need you. And that's, oh. that's how we kind of do it. So, and any, and any good idea if somebody says, hey, it be a good time to breathe right now and let's take a break. We do it. Okay. So it's more, it's more fluid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I got you. But you acknowledge it and you allow for it though. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Well, that's good. So lastly, with regard to you and M2E, if I'm a structural engineer, I'm working up in the Northeast or somewhere cold, what would be your 30-second elevator pitch to come on down and, and, and work for M2E down in, in, in Florida? Not that anybody's <laughs> necessarily going to do it, but you just never know who's listening to this. What would you tell somebody?
1: Well, I, think, I, I always tell people, if you feel like you're a dynamic person who likes a balance of office time, field time. You like interacting with a varying spectrum of people from contractors, attorneys, multimillionaires to, to property managers. And you like to have fun at work and you enjoy working with a diverse group of people. Then there is a company that will meet those needs and give you really good projects to work on as well. Right. But and if you're up north, you're around good weather. So I think that would be the icing on. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the cake. You know, good weather to, to do your work.
0: Well, there you have it, folks. Scott Harvey Lewis has laid out the foundation for why you need to come down to South Florida and join M2E. So certainly I'll, I'll take credit. Scott, if anybody listening to this podcast ends up calling you up saying, hey, I heard you on the Encourage, Bill Grow podcast. I want to join your firm. That'll be a huge thank you to me. So uh, <laughs> no, I appreciate that. But thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. I will eagerly continue to watch your videos. I I will share some of those in our show notes. If anybody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to contact you? Just LinkedIn message. I'm pretty good about responding. Okay, cool. So I will put uh, your LinkedIn profile link on our show notes as well. So if anybody wants to to reach out to Scott, they can do that. And man, we thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate your insight and uh, we look forward to chatting with you again in the near future.
1: Thank you, Randy. Appreciate it. And I look forward to talking again.
0: Absolutely. Well, folks, there you have it. Scott Harvey Lewis. He is a senior VP with uh, M2E and just doing some amazing things down there in Florida. Definitely check check him out online on LinkedIn. And like I said, that information will be in the show notes. I really, really hope you enjoyed this particular conversation. We got a chance to talk about leadership, a little bit about leadership development, communication, mentoring. And then Scott just kind of shared his practical knowledge on what he's been able to do in in the past 15, 16 years in the industry, and he is making a difference. So we appreciate people like Scott sharing what they're doing and sharing their walk. And I look forward to what the next 15 to 20 years will bring for him as he continues to grow, not only himself, but his team and everyone else that's working with him. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of Encourage, Build, Grow where we're helping design professionals become better leaders, better communicators, and ultimately better people. That's all we have for now. We will see you this time next week. Have a great day.